All right, everybody. Hello hey, and ring-a-ling, welcome. Ring-a-ling, ding-ding. Yes, ring-a-ling, ding-ding-a-dong-dong. Welcome to another episode of Who Sang That? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. And this is the show where we're trying to educate ourselves uh, and you and each yeah. other together about music. Because there's just so there's friggin' too much. There's mu- too much. Well, I don't know about too much. At some point, we're just going to revert back to classical music. I don't know. I think for what gives me hope is that for every song, other than like computer-generated music, which like, let's not get back into that. But for every song, at least one person has heard it. Yes. Even if it was an audience of only the person playing it. And I think that's cool. Have I ever told you the story of my Uber driver who gave me an album for free? No. Yes. Let me tell you. Was this. it their album? It was their album. Oh, so good. he had just dropped a uh, a single mm-hmm. um, that he was playing consistently in the car ride. Okay, so you knew what you were getting into. Yeah, yeah. He was. It was sort of a uh, reggaeton, mm. rap reggae type feel to it. Uh, and so he, we were talking, I, he told me about like what he does and mm-hmm. music and I found him on iTunes. He said, make sure you just like, if you have Apple music, download the oh, nice. album yeah. so that way it gets another like for me. Right. I get like two cents and I said, perfect. And then as I'm leaving, he handed me his CD, which I thought was ridiculous because like, I now have it yeah. on Apple music. Right. Now he's given you garbage to, it was, that it you was, have to dispose of. It was a great of. ride. It was, it wasn't a bad song. You know that it's moment good. where you're just like, oh, I have to fake it. It wasn't that bad. What was it? It was the CD that he handed you. Was that just the song? No, no, no. It, it was an, a whole album. Oh, well, that's but nice. But I, I gifted that to somebody else. Oh, okay. Did you gift it after you listened to it? or? Well, sort of. Sort of? I've listened to that one song. Well, you know how we like to do here. Uh, could you either hum a few bars or give us a couple of lyrics that you remember? Yeah. Um, what I remember was, Eyo. That's it. That's, that's all it. I remember. Okay. That sounds pretty classic. Yeah, I haven't really. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah, no, I hadn't heard that story. Thanks for yeah. thanks for sharing that. It's been about a year. Um, yeah, speaking of about a year, it's that season mm-hmm. that I hate Love so it. much. Uh, I I know that you in in the car are already all listening right. to that Sirius XM radio <laughs> for two weeks now. <laughs> yeah, with uh, all of those Christmas standards i mean it's really question marks now because it's kind of whatever they can get the license to no no it's the same five songs just sung by 25 different people yeah and then if you hit the car on the threes so i think the cycle goes like when you get up from uh, to go to work mm-hmm. when you leave work mm-hmm. so you always hear the same songs. oh wow so you never get like something new yeah uh but i didn't hear this new song christmas come on as in like and it's come Chris, on. it's christmas c apostrophe uh m-o-n yeah come on that's how i would spell that yeah now is this like a get hype for christmas song or is it more like christmas oh, oh yeah I, I literally like th- rolled down the window and screamed out bring it nice yeah well uh i think we'll just leave that discussion there because yeah. i know we're I gonna, get, go into we're gonna get into more christmas music yeah in later, our, later episodes yeah uh, cool. Well, I'm very excited about mm-hmm. our guest today. Me Speaking of, of seasons, we're going to be revisiting uh, one that I actually grew up in and theoretically might know something about. Although, we, as we all know, my music history is completely stunted by parents that only listen to country music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It was. Uh, cool. Well, unless there's anything no, let's else. let's get to it. All right. We'll be right back. Hi. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica Hinken. I'm Laura Wexler, and we're the hosts of the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. We are a podcast in which you can hear true personal stories that are sad, happy, funny, itchy. There's no itchy stories. Why did you say sad twice? Because we gravitate towards sadness. That's not true. It's very fun. You can download us on stoopstorytelling.com or iTunes, and you can also find us at the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. All right, hey. everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Yeah. We're uh, super thrilled to be joined in the studio today, in the actual Yeah, this is an actual studio. studio. We're in the Baltimore Improv Group's new podcast studio at the Big Theater. And uh, the soundproofing isn't up yet. I don't know if no. that'll come out in the edit. Sorry, Jonathan. I'm do my best. Uh, you will. I know you do. Uh, but enough of that. Yeah. Uh, we are joined today by Miles Nieder. Miles, welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. Good to be here. Thanks so much it. for being on today. Uh, now, if I'm understanding correctly, you are an expert in 1990s music. I am a colossal nerd for all things 1990s mm. alt rock. Nice. And I can trace it back to one night. Um, oh, very good. It was September 30th, 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to see REM mm. at wow. uh, Hershey Park Stadium. Mm-hmm. Their opening act was a little band called Radiohead. Oh, yeah. Little known. Little known. Little known. Like yeah. they, they, they'd had a minor hit at that point uh, called Creep that, you know, still hasn't gotten away from us. No. And to top it off that night, later on that night, I came home after the concert and I taped the season premiere of Saturday Night Live, which was the first episode with uh, Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry and Jim Burr and that whole generation. Yeah. Uh, So that was like quite- That's a huge, yeah. Right. And that was like the the kind of the life-defining moment for me. Yeah. And that one night, you like really entered the 90s zeitgeist. in, In one fell swoop and- only partially unintentionally. Like I meant to go to the REM concert. Right. I, I, did, <laughs> I didn't know that that it would also be the doorway to Saturday Night Live going back to glory. But also Blues Traveler was the musical guest that night because Prince, oh, wow. Prince canceled at the last minute. Whoa. Mm. What a 90s thing to have happen. That's at, amazing. And they stole Blues Traveler from the state's holiday special that they were taping. The state with um, right. Carrie Kenny oh, and, wow. and um, Ken Marino and all the other people that have gotten – Slightly famous, famous right. since then. Yeah. What do you uh, what do you think that was like? Like stealing Blues Traveler from another show? Do you think they just like went up to John Popper and were like, "Hey, hey, harmonica man, just bring <laughs> bring it on down. The studio is right this way." Uh, I think Saturday Night Live's uh, talent booker at the time was still Marcy Klein, who was Calvin Klein's daughter. So mm, she probably oh. she probably busted out a mean harmonica solo, yeah. and lured him in that way. Right. And and just to finish this entire story, the state then didn't have a musical guest, so Ooh. they brought in. Sonic Youth. Oh my god. Okay. Right. Which wow. Which to certain hipsters of a certain age, that's an amazing musical guest, but yeah. for network television in 1995 was ratings death. Yeah, right. So they were they were scraping the bottom there. It, they they were going how indie can we go and still be considered mainstream. And that was the last episode of the state. That was the last episode. It was the last episode <laughs> wow. of the state. Oh shit. That's yeah. su- that's such a great story to have just like Oh yeah, we had a we had this musical group who was going to be great, but then they got our show. Lauren canceled. Michaels was like, "No, I yeah. need the I need the guy with the hat and the harmonica and the and the and the fisherman's vest. He'll, yeah. he'll be good." Mm. That's ridiculous. I assume they were. Yeah, I mean, was that was Prince at the time uh, the symbol? He was. He was the symbol. Yeah. yeah, that definitely seems like a simple thing to do to just be like. 
peace out peace on out. on Lorne Michaels. Yeah. Yeah. David David Spade made a joke that night calling him the artist formerly booked on this show. Ooh. Yeah. David Spade with yeah. the right. Yeah. yeah. David David Spade is not afraid to get just a little a little uh touchy. What's the word I'm looking for? Petty. Petty. I think petty. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh well, I think that it sounds like you entered into a nineties fever at about the right time. You had half of the nineties to look back on and, and then, and then five more years to live it. And five more years to go through post grunge, pop grunge. Right. Uh, I guess you could call, we could, we could talk about the swing revival, of course. Oh my gosh. I forgot uh, about that. Which, which happened for a hot minute uh, right. with, with Brian mm-hmm. Sesser's second coming and the cherry pop and daddies and yeah. that voodoo daddy. Oh yeah. And, and then and I, why was it Mambo number five? I will never understand. Uh, was it arbitrary? He'd written other Mambo songs. And they were just not that popular. And they were not popular. Did they all also include their names is, like, <laughs> is what I have to know. Well, I, I don't remember that part. What I do remember is that he immediately re-recorded it for Disney and did like a Mambo mm. number oh, five version, yeah. but naming Disney characters. Mm. Oh, I think I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Daisy and Minnie. Yeah. And Jasmine, too. <laughs> Oh, boy. I, I like how you went princess there. Yeah, like went, you started out with the core, core characters, characters, and then well, I mean, the sad part is when you think of the core characters of Disney, it, the only females you have to name would be it's not a lot Daisy and Minnie, and that's no, it's about not it. a deep well. Tink, Tinkerbell. Yeah, but then yeah. you're immediately in the gun, movies. movies. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're outside of uh... Clarabelle. There you go. It's, yeah. And it's hard to rhyme Pocahontas like oh, that. Yeah. Or Mulan, for that matter. That also would have been around the same time. Oh right. Yeah. But I, I like the idea that like. Lou Bega did this song, Mumbo Number no. Five, and sort of made it sort of like Love Potion Number no. Nine. Mm-hmm. You think of classical music, and you have like the Eighth Symphony, the Fifth Symphony. You never right. hear about the first one, so just immediately going out there and just like, I'm like get really a hit. nailing it. Yeah. yeah, like all the good ones happen numbers ahead. Right, with some practice mm-hmm. in there. That's true. What do you think the song for Love Potion Number no. One sounded like? <laughs> it was. A, it was a, because it's, it's already about like the super privileged dude yeah. who just like experiences almost no consequences for a night of getting completely trashed and making out with randoms. I really think it was just a song about Bud Ice. <laughs> that was Love that Potion was, that number was Love one. Potion one was Bud it's Ice. Like, I went to the the lady with the weird tattoo and she was like, have a seat and a Bud Ice. And a Bud Ice. And I, was, and I didn't know if it was day or night. <laughs> Love Potion number two was Mad Dog. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this guy really had a long trajectory downwards. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. a lot of p- poor choices in alcohol consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sort of leaning back to the the whole grunge era, I, I, I sadly was not brought up in sort of the the grace of good music if you will I, my parents only really my mom was the only person who really listened to music and it was in the car and it was the you know 50s and 60s oh sure so like i i would always grew up with like the beatles and the uh the beach boys and people mm-hmm. like that um so like missing out on like the wonderfulness of what would be grunge so thinking of like nirvana first comes sure. to mind um and then you know like when you got the foo fighters and everybody uh, later yeah. on, um, which you wouldn't really consider to be grunge. They're post grunge. Post, post, yeah, yeah, post grunge. Yeah. So just the after. So what would be the like the 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 difference between grunge and then post grunge? Is it just that like people who got older and then decided I still want to make music? 
Well, grunge was was typified by the the quick Nirvana thing. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, you went from hair metal to Nirvana everywhere. Yeah. So if you sounded anything like Nirvana or War Flannel, you were classified as grunge. And not to get maudlin, but then Cobain killed himself, right, and right. then basically the the attitude was grunge was grunge dead. is over, right. yeah, grunge is over, <laughs> right? And and you still had bands after that that sounded like Nirvana, like you had Bush, who right. who right. were huge briefly, but and sounded like Nirvana, but looked nothing like Nirvana. Um, Silverchair out of Australia, mm-hmm. same mm. thing. Like they they it, it was basically they abandoned the motif, right. Um, and Pearl Jam decided they were not going to be seen anywhere anymore. They would do concerts uh, outside the Ticketmaster system and like perform in muddy fields. Oh, I forgot about those. That yeah. was amazing. And nobody could get to those concerts. Yeah. Did you uh, ever make your way? I did not. I actually didn't see Pearl Jam live until 2011, whenever they came to Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. That was, that yeah. was my first Pearl Jam concert. Um bit of a different thing going on between those times <laughs> like the times have uh done strange things for pearl jam yeah yeah and, and i mean and that's and that's the age before really the internet hit to like everyone right so i mean the whole idea of pearl jam having concerts to get away from ticketmaster and no one knowing exactly where they were going to be like, yeah that seems it was, like a it was work yeah, that's a lot of work. And they were one of the biggest bands on the planet at the time. So if right, anybody yeah. was going to break Ticketmaster, it was going to be Pearl Jam. And they uh, did not. Could have, could have been fighting the good fight. Not like Metallica versus Napster. No. That was that was being on the wrong side of history, I'm afraid, yeah. Mars. <laughs> uh, anyway, but that's 2000 stuff. Let's yeah. let's get back to the, the 90s. So uh, we we talked about sort of your your uh, rival period when you realized like you were in the nineties. Uh, was there ever a time that it peaked for you that you uh, can think back on and be like that was the most nineties thing, and it was all downhill after that? Uh, it was it was the uh, spring HF festival in nineteen ninety nine. Oh the, yeah, the HF festival was the big Baltimore local radio mm-hmm. festival that every band that was of any import played mm, yeah. and it got so big that they started doing them twice a year. And the spring one was headlined by red hot chili peppers, uh, live the goo goo dolls, the offspring. Right. And then the fall one was headlined by limp biscuit. Oh, Oh boy. And we've that, taken a turn. Well, and that was, that was the breaking point when, when we went from mm-hmm. even post grunge to uh new metal rap right. rock, whatever you want to call it. Right. Once, once Fred Durst got on top of a toilet flushing the Spice Girls, right? That was it. That was that was the the we were past the high water mark at that point. What a weird time it was for like musical beefs. Like now, any artist could do that. They could just like yeah. put a thing in a toilet on Instagram and get a trillion views, and like no one would care. It would, it would just be like, fine. Did you see that? Yeah. Who cares? But what a big deal that was in the nineties. You I, had to have a stage piece constructed specifically of a popular. Uh, a girl band mm-hmm. and flush them do it through it over yeah. and over every show night. after show every night. So I, I do want to. Sorry to jump ahead no, into two thousands, but I just want to talk about some history. Which HFS? Uh, what was that? Like two thousand four, two thousand three, two thousand four. Like how how did that the the radio station sort of shutting down and becoming El Sol? Like how did how did that affect? Do you think how rock music was being played or field felt in Baltimore? To me, it was the admission that radio was no longer the dominant force in mm. youth culture. That Napster, as you mentioned, had come along in, yeah, right. in the late 90s. And right. that was the advent of 
the internet as music culture right. king and radio still plodding along. But at that point, and I remember it very well because I was working in TV news at the time and I was the one that was writing the story. Oh, yeah. I, w- I was, this was 2004. So I would have been 20, 23 years old. So I was the one that had to write the story about HFS going off the air and had to go listen to the clip of them playing Jeff Buckley's last goodbye. And oh, then, wow. And then launching into El Zol. Oh which was Spanish modern music. And yeah. like, that only lasted a few years. Like, yeah, that, it wasn't, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that long. And now they're, now they're Bloomberg News. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's strange. Back in 99, I grew up in uh, the Nashville area, and in uh, high school, which was for me, it was like 97 to 99. Is that right? 96 to 99. Mm. Uh, I, I was introduced to a great alternative rock station that basically introduced me to all of these bands that, that we're talking about. And, and some other ones like they would, they played Tori Amos and like uh, you know, some of the more like girl and a piano stuff that I, I was into. And I remember coming home one day, this, this had to be 99 and uh, turning on my uh, boom box that sat above my bed. Cause this is how you listen to radio. And uh, it was, it was gone. Like I had to like thump the dial because they were, they were playing like, this political talk radio. Oh, uh, that's the worst. Twangy, twangy ass, accent guys. And I went and like yelled at my sister. I was like, what did you do to my radio? Because my station is gone. And it turns out they had just sold it. And, yeah. And like, yeah, it had switched formats. The station itself had made no public announcement that this was coming. And it was just they like, they never oh. do. Radio stations never do. Like no. even when you worked at radio stations, oh you wouldn't, God. you wouldn't find out until, uh, the person that was on the air got pulled aside by the program manager and told, uh, don't play that next CD. You're going to play this. And everybody gets called into the boardroom and told that they don't have a job anymore. Yeah, that's rough. That's so fascinating. But I'm glad you brought up uh, Tori Amos and the Girl with the Piano because the, one of the many wonderful things about the 90s was that was one of the only periods when women dominated rock music. Mm, true. Um, I, rem- <laughs> I remember being on the way back from a Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Hey. And uh, not necessarily my proudest moment, but they were selling Hootie and the Blowfish <laughs> condoms, which was amazing. <laughs> and I heard Alanis Morris sets you on a no on the radio for the first time on the way back from Hootie. Oh, nice, yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Tori Amos. You had Sarah McLaughlin, Fiona Apple, mm-hmm. um, Meredith Brooks, uh, um, Mother Mother, uh, Tracy Bonham. Oh, right. There, there was a, that was actually a good swath. A jewel was yeah. played all over Alternative mm-hmm. Radio. That was the only... I mean, if you can name one other period where you had so many other female artists that were actually on rock radio, not not pop, pop but right. when they actually had a run in rock radio. Yeah. And I still get to take my wife to those concerts yeah. when they come through town. We've seen Jewel more times than I would ever care to count. <laughs> not my personal favorite, right. but but definitely yeah. her personal favorite. Right. Well, and still a big connection to that time. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is fascinating. Not, not, the only people I could think of like in the 80s would be like Pat Benatar, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe um, Hart, maybe like you know it's, Debbie, it's ha- not, Debbie Harry and Debbie, Blondie, Debbie, yeah, yeah Blondie, Blondie, yeah, like who, it's not when they put out their reunion record in '99, they were all over modern rock, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I definitely can't think of like a strong core group of of rock and roll women, except right. in the '90s, and even now, like I can't think. I of... I have to bring up the embarrassing thing with Shania. Twain, oh, yeah. who was the crossover. Like she went from being pure country into being pop, which as a country person, I was grateful, I think, to have something that bridged those worlds. But I remember uh, hearing a lot about what a betrayal it was. She's gone pop, which was fascinating. And 
I can't remember which record of hers, but she made one of her records and it had like seven different variations. There was the country version, oh. there was the pop version, there was the world music version. That's crazy. Each to be released in different markets right. for different audiences. She, <laughs> yes. I believe she is the uh, first person to have two back-to-back albums go diamond. Mm. Um, I had that in a trivia question. Nice. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. I'm surprised it wasn't Michael Jackson. Uh, I I can't remember if it was like specifically female or if it was all time. Um, we'll female, a, I believe. We'll yeah. put a link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll yeah. put it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, she she transcended a lot and hit a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, which allowed for her to make a trillion dollars. Right. Well, I know we could go on forever. We're uh, we're pretty close to interview uh, time here, Miles. Is there anything you would like to leave folks with uh, in terms of your personal memories of the 90s? Well, what I love about some of the music that I love from the 90s is the way those artists continue to contribute to modern pop music. Um, I was at Thanksgiving dinner very recently with family. And uh, my cousin, who is, I think she's 24, played um, Adele, Someone Like You. Uh, which mm. was a huge hit a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, of course. I said, oh, she co-wrote that with one of my favorite artists, a guy named Dan Wilson. She asked, who's Dan Wilson? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard the song Closing Time by Semisonic? Oh, I love that song. Right. He co-wrote uh, co-wrote Someone Like You and co-wrote with the Dixie Chicks. Mm. Um, he had some, oh, he's written with Taylor Swift. Like, Sure. That's 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 my favorite thing to continue to track uh, artists and see how they continue to contribute. Oh, um, there was a one-hit wonder in the mid-90s called Geggy Ta. They had a song called Whoever You Are. Marty just got this look on his face like, that, oh, that, my God. That triggered neurons that I thought were long dead. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they were – congratulations. They were underneath the dusty file cabinet. Uh, the co-front man for Geggy Ta produced – songs on Adele's 21. Wow. He's produced for Pink. Like he's still out there. Oh, that's making fascinating. Music. Yeah. I, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but like I, I heard whatever, uh, whoever you are on the radio and had to look him up. Like, yeah. what's that guy? Holy crap. He's, yeah. he's like the king go-to producer right now for oh, pop music. That's amazing. Well, Hey, congratulations to him. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, uh, we are, I'm afraid out of time for interview, but that means, uh, if you would please join us, it is time for a game. Oh, uh, yes, it's time for everyone's favorite game here on uh, Who Sang That? It's Duet or Screw It. Duet or, or screw, screw It. Screw It. Uh, we've had you writing in to uh, all, all of our social medias. You can uh, hit us up on our website at wehavetoask.com or uh, send us a note at we have to ask on Facebook or Twitter. And we asked you, uh, Jonathan, Spe- you have the exact yeah, question. Specifically. Right uh, who would be your fantasy duet, individuals mm. or bands, to listen to? Uh, and to some of the people that responded with three or more people, yeah, um, like as individuals, the duet is a group of two. Yeah, hence the reason why a band would be a duet of two. Yeah, we've asked mashup questions before, and like that's been fine. But we were we were being, and maybe we're being a little persnickety here. But we said two duet. Right. And and so like specifically this one from uh Ju uh Hartzell who said uh any combination of Dave Grohl slash and Flea. Like okay, th- those are three people like pick a duet. Yeah. You could have you could have chosen any two and it would have been it would have been a fascinating topic. Dave and Flea would I feel like I love Dave Grohl because he's like the modern Phil Collins. Like he yeah. was the drummer in a hugely successful, influential <laughs> band. Yeah. And now he's the front man for a hugely successful, influential band. And he's everywhere. Right. 
I guess with Flea, they could have had, I don't know, a drum off together. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like they played dueling banjos, but with drums. Just the best rhythm section of all time. That's drum a duet. Bass. Yeah. I, I, that's I, I a would duet. say that's a duet. Yeah, I'm we're not going to screw that. Yeah. yeah duet. Uh, let's see. What what else do we have here? Uh, this is from where there was one that I really enjoyed. Oh, right here. Uh, from uh, Dave P. He wrote Billy Joel and Leon Redbone. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. Leon Redbone. Leon is... Redbone was the singer of the Mr. Belvedere theme song. <laughs> I love that. That's where you went because yeah. that's how I remember yeah. him too. Uh, so he he sings sort of like this. Oh, okay. Uh, he also has a wonderful Christmas album. We can yeah. listen to it on the way home. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, I think a Billy Joel, Leon Redbone. So just one of them is just like up, up, up here. Right. Billy Joel is ringing the, the rafters. Oh, so I thought that was going to be Leon Redbone. Oh, well, well, the way you were singing, it sounds more like he, he likes oh, the low Oh, I thought you registers. meant popularity. Oh, no. no okay, sorry. so yeah, it's like a high and then a low. Seems uh, It seems like that would be the, the best bet. Um, I would love to hear it. I don't know about you. I, I honestly don't know. I'm I'm on the fence. I could go either way. Miles, do you have uh, any untying vote here? Um, I, I have more of a love for Billy Joel than for anybody involved. So I'm going to go with B- and and because Leon Redbone would be so fascinating. Like think, put, yeah. put those two together. So I'll go with I'll go with Billy Joel and Leon Redbone. Oh, All right, do it. There we go. That sounds great. Uh, got two more. One Jack White mm-hmm. and Freddie Mercury. This is from Jonathan oh. Y. Hmm. I have feelings about this one. I don't, and I don't know why. I don't have anything to back this up, but I'm like, mm, no, thank you. I feel like it would be too loud. Okay. Yeah, and I feel like there's a clash of personalities there that would come out really awkward on stage. I just think of these are two artists who have such stadium anthems mm-hmm. with like with with queens like "We Will Rock You." Oh, sure. And uh, we are the champions. Um, and then you have like Seven Nation Army, which is sang by every college and professional right. stadium just saying, oh, uh, 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 uh. I, I don't know. I withdraw my objection if they could do Under Pressure and uh, Jack White does the David Bowie part. I feel like that would be really cool. Oh, yeah. If we're willing to go that far, I would I would check that out. Okay. Otherwise, I'm like. I don't know, Jack White. Maybe you're not good enough to sing with Freddie Mercury. Uh, no all right. The last one we have. Oh, this is quite inappropriate. Oh, what happened? Uh, this is from Kristen M. It says two of your moms. Oh, well, we only each have, have one, one mom. mom. That's uh, that's not nice. Shame on you, Kristen M. Shame on you. Well, that's that's it. We also that's have. Okay. Uh, well, and, and uh, you know what? Hold on. Richard G. has mm-hmm. been putting this for a while. Yeah. Uh, Kanye West, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Uh, sort of a Kanye Clarkson mashup. A Kanye double strength. Yeah. I'm all in for that. I think that would be amazing. I don't know. What... I've been told what doesn't kill you makes you stronger mm, or stranger or stranger. Yeah. I'd, I'd do at that. I'm into it. All right. I'm, 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 I'm pro that. All right. All right pretty pretty high hit rate this yeah, week. So, yeah. Uh, yeah good thank job. you, everybody. Keep those, keep those suggestions coming. Uh, we'll be uh, hitting you up with other questions in the future. Uh, but thanks for those uh, so far. And, uh, Miles, thank you. Thank it's you been for a having pleasure. me, gentlemen. 
It's been uh, very wonderful. Uh, where can folks find you? What are what are you up to in the world? Would you, if you have anything you want to plug, I play with the Baltimore Improv Group's Old City, and we are up every Friday night at nine o'clock, along with the wonderful Bears Only. Mm. Yeah, it's an excellent show. So come on Those out and see them. Uh, great. Well, thanks again, Miles. Thank you. Thank and you, folks. We'll be right back. If you want to be my lover, you don't have to get with my friends. Just check out my Tumblr. Now that's what I called hits.tumblr.com. We take a look back at an era when you could have Celine Dion and Elliot Smith on the same CD and not confuse the hell out of people. Now that's what we called hits.tumblr.com. All right. Yay. We are back. Uh, Jonathan, I feel like I, I rattled a lot of things loose in that interview, and it feels good. Yeah, no, I feel really good about that. Uh, the things that I never even thought of, the mm-hmm. state, I've never heard of that, and I'm going to go YouTube it. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah. What a fascinating time for TV. There's some really good bits that you probably know that you didn't know came from the state. So I was like seven mm-hmm. in 95, so like I wasn't watching that stuff. No, yeah. Well, you're... You were one of those kids that wasn't allowed to watch like The Simpsons, right? I wasn't allowed to watch The Rugrats. Oh, so well, no, a hundred percent was not allowed to watch The Simpsons. No. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's nice now that you're an adult. Yeah, you can get into all that rowdy stuff that rots your brain. My my anxiety was blamed on Chucky Finster. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was it was that because I, I was watching it. it. Yeah, yeah. one episode, of one that. episode of that. So you were set for life. My entire brain chemicalness changed. There and, was the pre-Chucky Jonathan. Yep, carefree, and, happy-go-lucky, and, and then, then anxiety-riddled. Oh mess. no. Uh, well, folks. I think that's going to do it Ugh. for this week. Uh, oh, Jonathan, what's going on next week? I was feeling real good until then. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're going to be getting into something that I like to to watch on YouTube, mm-hmm. which is underwater piano playing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is this what you've been sending me all those links to? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched any of them yet. Yeah. The the I don't know how they get those grand pianos in the you know, swimming pools, but... I think you just kind of... Drop them on in. I feel like it ruins it, but yeah, yeah, I would assume so. You know, it's one of those things where you're watching on YouTube and you're just like, he's making a very confused face. Yeah, that's listening home. This is this is good radio. Yeah, good radio. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. We would not do this show without you. Uh, as always, remember to hit us up on our website at wehavetoask.com or Twitter or Facebook at we have to ask. And uh, you are the reason we do this show. So keep letting us know what you think. Um. I think that's going to do it for this week. This has been another episode of Who Sang That? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. As always, who sang that? I did. I did. See you all next time. This has been another episode of Who Sang That? We'd like to thank our producers, Amy and Herbie Lobsters. Thanks to Skies and Chaos for using our theme song, New Day. Check them out on iTunes, and while you're there, check us out as well. If you're already a subscriber, give us a rating and a review. It really helps. Join the discussion online at WeHaveToAsk.com or on Facebook or Twitter at WeHaveToAsk. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Peaksloft Network at Peaksloft.com. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. You are currently listening to We Have to Ask. We Have to Ask? i got to be honest with you. I'm not sure what the hell is going on. So we have to ask. I, I, I've i tried to ask. You did? And I, I haven't gotten any answers. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. 
I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.